Hi there, and welcome to a different way of seeing. Have you ever wondered how a disabled person lives their life? Join our host Lois Drachen as she chats to people about work, education, travel, sport, the arts, and leisure, and the tools and techniques they use to live their lives with the disability. And now, on with the show. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of A Different Way of Seeing, a podcast where we talk all things disability. I'm your host, Lois Strachan, and today we're chatting to Emma Ruiz from the organization Higher Ground. We're going to be learning a lot more about what Higher Ground is, what they offer, and who they serve. Emma, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm great. It's lovely to be here. Thanks for inviting me on your podcast. Well, I've been watching a lot of your Facebook posts and following some of the events that you've been putting on, and it just seemed that it would be a great opportunity to invite you to come and talk about what you're doing. But before we get there, can we start off by just asking you a little bit about who is Emma? Tell us your story and your background. <laughs> um, okay, well, just uh, um, just um, I guess a very brief, quick things about myself. I was born and raised in Durban, and I've spent most of my life here, except for a bit of time spent in the states, which will sort of come into the story a little bit later. I'm married to Cornelius, who is blind, and I have two daughters who are ten and twelve. I love entertaining, exploring new places. I really love hearing people's stories and um and also reading books about about people's stories just sort of um people's experiences and the things that they've been through I find absolutely fascinating um I'm absolutely terrible at admin <laughs> but I love but I love nothing more than planning and organizing things so it's um they don't necessarily work together very well that that um the, my strengths and my weaknesses um but yeah I do I do gain a lot of joy out of organizing people and organizing things. Um, yeah. So I suppose I would say people are my thing. And um, yeah, I love living in Durban, love that we have the beach nearby. Um, yeah, I guess that's a little bit about myself. <laughs> and considering we're recording this in April at the moment, um, Cape Town has just started hitting winter weather. I think you're probably a lot warmer than we are right now. We definitely are. We're spoiled in Durban for winters. Um, we have our cold days, but I always laugh when I think it is a cold day because I know for Cape Town and obviously so many other places that's, you know, a midsummer day. And um, yeah, we had highs of 30 the other day and it's still nice and warm. Bit of a grey day today, but yeah, no, we are definitely spoiled in terms of winter in Durban. We can still <laughs> swim in the ocean. Um, Vanessa, my oldest daughter, were um, doing a swim in the ocean on Saturday morning and the weather was perfect for it. <laughs> Sounds glorious. I miss, I, I grew up in Durban. So, oh, did you? I, okay. Yeah, I do. Got very good memories for me. Oh. Okay, <laughs> let's start shifting onto higher ground. Tell us about the organization and how it got started. Okay, so the story of Higher Ground begins in 2004, although, like most things, it probably started a long time before that. Um, so in 2000, well, actually, yeah, I suppose it started in 2001. 
I um towards the end of 2000 and I was at, I was at a bit of a point in my life where I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next and I met somebody who had worked in the states at a summer camp for people with disabilities and I immediately knew that that was something I wanted to do so I spent the next few months applying and just getting ready to do that and got invited to work at a summer camp in Pennsylvania on the east coast of the states um, it was for people who are blind and have other disabilities. And it was just the most incredible time of my life. I um, I fell in love with the idea of what was their summer camps and um, just the benefit that it can have in the life of a person, well, really of anybody, but in this context, somebody with a disability. Um, so I first went in 2001 and then I came back and started planning to go again in 2002. Um, and then I came back from that and planned to go in 2003 um, in between doing different bits of work just to kind of sustain myself and get ready for the next um, the next trip. At the end of my time in 2003, I realized, you know, I can't keep on doing this. I'm going to have to sort of, yeah, just... I guess get on with the next step of my life. And um, but I was I was just so in love with this concept of holidays for people with disabilities. And so in a phone call with my my best friend who I'd met, um, she was from Wyoming. Um, we'd spent the three summers working at this camp together. Um, we were having a phone conversation shortly after returning. And um, so I'd I'd spent a lot of time over these three years, looking into what there was in South Africa that I could do that was similar to what I'd done over there. And I did that again after I got back in 2003, and I could just never find anything. Um, and so we were chatting on the phone, and we said, why don't we just start our camp here? <laughs> and so Jackie, that's my friend from Wyoming, she came out on a volunteer visa for a year and a half, and we set about establishing a South African style summer camp for people with disabilities. Um, obviously, the way that it looks here is different to the way that it looks in the States um, in many different ways. There's not the same awareness um, of the benefits of a summer camp. Um, and also, we just we changed it up to for the South African context. And um, initially people said, well, you know, it works in the States. That's great. But is it going to work in South Africa? And I can honestly say that I feel it works even better. There's more benefit to it in South Africa just because the number of resources that we have are so limited um, compared to, say, America or Europe or anywhere else. Um, yeah, so we started very small. Jackie came out from the States and... Um, we opened a bank account with a postal order that I'd received from my gran in the UK. And we planned our first holiday. So that was November 2004. We held a holiday camp for people with an acquired brain injury. It was a resounding success. Um, and we just carried on from there. In February of 2005, we held our first holiday for people who are blind or partially sighted. And we've been doing that now for that particular holiday, I suppose, for about can't do the maths right now, for about 18 years or so. Um, and obviously, we've learned things over the years. You know, if you came on one of our holidays 10 years ago or 12 years ago, it would probably look look a little bit different now. Um, we grow as we, or we, you know, we learn as we go, and we grow and we adapt. And um, yeah, we we love doing what we do. 
may be something of a personal question, but was this before or after you met your husband? Because often the the connection that starts a non-disabled person being interested in working within the disability community is a personal story, a personal link. I was wondering which way around that happened. Yeah, so I had actually started Higher Ground already before I met Canels. And um, Higher Ground, we started Higher Ground in 2004 and Canels and I met in 2006. So we were already well on our way. Um, but obviously, looking back now, he's been a part of Higher Ground for much longer than he wasn't. Um, but yeah, I in one of my years after school, I did a gap year. Um, we added a few different bits of volunteer work, but I did quite a bit of volunteer work at a place called Headway, which is a day center for people with acquired brain injuries. And so that was sort of my entry into, into this thing of working with people with disabilities. And then the girl that I met who'd worked at a summer camp, I met through that. And um, so I, so for me, it felt like a natural thing to choose because when you go and work at a summer camp in the States, you can say I want to work at a Boy Scout or Girl Scout camp or at a camp for underprivileged kids or various different things. And so I knew immediately that what I wanted to do was work at a camp for people with disabilities. So yeah, <laughs> that was the connection, I suppose. Okay. Who is Higher Ground aiming to serve? What are the communities that that you focus on? So a lot of our um a lot of our work and um the people that we that we love to work with is people who are blind or partially sighted. So we do a number of holidays um in KZM, but also in different parts of the country for people who are blind. Um we do also do holidays for people with acquired brain injuries, people with intellectual impairments, largely young adults for that group. And um, in the past, we've also done holidays for teens and for tertiary students who are blind. We haven't done those in a few years, but are hoping to get back to it soon because it's a great group of people to work with. And then in terms of, um, as we'll chat about later, um, in terms of working with people who are blind, we we have a number of other projects that we do aside from the holidays as well. Yes, as you say, we, we, we'll touch on those as we go through. But I want to go back to the holiday camps. What can people expect if they come on a holiday camp? What are they going to experience? So they're coming to experience a basically a great holiday and um, when I'm trying to describe what our what our holiday camps are like I, I say you know it's a bit like a like a school camp or a I don't know like a church camp or something like that where you're coming together with a group of um, like-minded people in this case the like-mindedness is that somebody has the same disability that you have um, and our aim is to provide fun adventure relaxation good food um, we we love to provide opportunities to try things that people haven't done before so oftentimes obviously people will be like oh well you know you are blind therefore you're in you obviously wouldn't rock climb. So then, you know, if we can do rock climbing, if we can do kayaking on the lagoon, if we just a whole array of different activities, depending on where we are and what's available, we love to expose people to new things, to having an adventure, obviously meeting new people, connecting with friends, 
networking, um, problem solving. They're just, they're, there's so much that happens on a camp. Um, a lot of it happens around the dining table, having a good meal together, sitting on the veranda, drinking copious cups of coffee. Um, it's really, I do find that it it works for somebody who wants, you know, sort of to be busy and trying new things and having an adventure and equally for somebody who, you know, is tired from the year and is ready just to spend lots of time hanging out with people, chilling um, whilst having some fun at the same time. So you do, you give people the opportunity to either take part in activities or not. Exactly. It's totally up to everybody. Generally, I find most people want to try things out, but there's no pressure if somebody's wanting to rather have an afternoon nap <laughs> and there's no pressure to, you know, to join in what's going on if they don't want to. And you've, how many people usually would you have on each of the camps? So um, we have the people that come on the camp and then we also have our volunteers. In terms of the sort of participants, we um, we tend to not go bigger than about 25 or 30. Um, initially, when we first started back in 2004, I had, you know, visions of groups of 50 or, you know, just very big groups. <laughs> yeah. like, we, like we had at our camp in the States and we had quite a small group for our first one. And we straight away realized that that actually was the way to go, was to have small groups where people get to know each other, people are known, um, people are obviously well taken care of where that's needed. Um, and so, yeah, we look usually look at a maximum of about 25 or 30. And then on top of that, we have volunteers who join us and um, just amazing guys and girls who come from different parts of the country to be a part of the holiday. They um, well, you know, if, uh, they'll help with whatever's needed, be it helping to serve meals, make cups of coffee, help people get oriented to the environment and um, running activities, running out. Um, evening programs that we do you know we do in the evenings we have campfires and talent shows and quiz nights and that sort of thing so they're very involved in the whole running of the program um so obviously they're on top of the 25 30-ish people that that join us as participants and obviously you know if, if someone like myself were to come along to one of the camps that is um for people with who are blind and, and visually impaired you know, would I be able to bring my guide dog? Is is that kind of accommodation also able to be handled? Yes, absolutely. Guide dogs are always welcome. We found sort of about a 50-50 of people choosing either to bring their guide dog or not, just, you know, depending on their, their particular preferences. But yes, guide dogs are most welcome. Obviously, if somebody does bring a guide dog, we make sure that they have a room where there's enough space. Um, yeah, and they're absolutely welcome. Great. So let's move on to some of the other projects that Higher Ground works with. You have a chess club. Tell us a little bit about that. We do. So our chess club is a relatively new sort of addition to our to what we do. Um, and sort of all of the other things that we do started around the time of the pandemic where we weren't able to run holidays. So it gave us a bit of time to think about some of the other things that we've been wanting to do and haven't had the time for. So the chess club was one of those things. Um, Kanils is a chess player. And um, yeah, we just saw it as an opportunity to, well, obviously chess is a, chess is a, sorry, chess is a fantastic sport for people who are blind and for anybody else. And um, also one where a person who's blind can um, compete on an equal playing field to somebody who's sighted. 
And so, yeah, we just saw it as an opportunity to sort of get um, blind chess out there a little bit more, um, braille chess. So it's still in its formative stages. <laughs> um, we we meet in Westville. It's open to anybody around Durban. We do also welcome people who are not blind, but obviously we are trying to sort of develop it, develop braille chess in Durban and. Um, we've got a few players who Kinnels has been teaching who couldn't play before, but um, we're definitely on the lookout for more people to join our club. <laughs> Great. And so we will put this out and maybe um, birth a few more people who are going, oh, yes, that sounds interesting. Let me give it a try. Yeah, absolutely. Both people who can already play and people who would like to learn to play. Yeah. But it is an in-person event only at this stage. You don't have a, it, it, a kind of a hybrid yeah, well, we have done some online. We're keen for it to be in person, but of course, um, transport is often an issue. So we have from time to time met online. And obviously in other parts of the country, there are already chess clubs. But yeah, I mean, if somebody was keen and was somewhere else, if we have something online, we'll definitely <laughs> include them. Right. Because chess can be done on online in terms of using communication skills you know, it's just a question of having a board set up and when the person on the other side of the, the screen or connection makes a move, they just express that move verbally and it can be duplicated on the board on either side. So Exactly. Yeah. And I think a lot of Braille chess is played online these days. Yep. A lot of chesses. My husband is a chess player as well and he spends okay. more time playing chess through his laptop than he does in person. <laughs> in person, yeah. yeah. You also do online meetups and, and physical meetups. Tell us a bit about those. Yes. So those are both for people who are blind or visually impaired. Um, our in-person meetups are obviously in Durban. We hold them about once a month, although um, we're overdue for one at the moment. Um, so we're having one coming up in May. Um, so those are just an opportunity for anybody who's in the greater Durban area who wants to come and meet other people who are blind, um, catch up with old friends. We do a variety of different things from having bras to um, we've had people come and play music. Um, we've done a drumming session. It's a fun social networking opportunity um, and always, yeah, it always includes food as well. And it's just loads of fun. And we've loved meeting more and more people in Durban who are blind um, because I think often sort of, you know, everyone's just, busy with their own lives and you don't necessarily know everything that's going on around you and maybe there's somebody who lives down the road from you who's also blind and it would be great to meet them um our virtual meetups are monthly um through the pandemic we actually did them weekly and it was great because it was just a wonderful opportunity to still have some socialization while we were all um at home um and so we started them up again this year, but we're doing them monthly. And again, it's networking, it's fun, it's um, socialization, but we also have um, a different speaker each time. Um, so, so far this year, it's been sort of awareness about different things that are happening around us for people who are blind. Um, last month, we had an organization called Made for More um, who do adaptive surfing. 
and they came and chatted well they chatted online and various different things like that um Shazerson, who we talked about um who do the audio description for movies they've chatted to us about what they do and a variety of different things um but sometimes the topics are just purely interest somebody's um holiday to some exotic place that's fascinating to hear about or somebody's life experience um but it's just yeah it's it's pretty informal and time for people to also just chat to each other and have a bit of fun what would you say people get out of engaging with one of the activities at higher ground so i would say that a, a big focus of ours is um the networking and the benefits of socialization. So, I mean, yeah, we all need it. Um, but on top of that, yeah, there's just so much. Um, sorry, just having a quick think because my thoughts have gone all over the place. Um, I think that if somebody who's blind joins us on one of our holidays, they are going to meet new and interesting people. And they're going to have opportunities to network, problem solve, share ideas they are going to have a lot of fun um perhaps be you know sort of break up they can break out of their comfort zones a little bit um but yeah the benefit the the same benefits that we that anybody gets from having a holiday i think apply to a holiday at higher ground and um yeah i really in general believe in you know we all need a break from just the humdrum of everyday life and um so a time at higher ground is that it's a break. It's to get away. It's to um, spend time with peers um, and just to, you know, to have good food and meet interesting people while you're doing it. Um, in terms of our holidays for other groups, um, we find for our participants who have an acquired brain injury or have an intellectual impairment, there are a host of other benefits as well. Um, including, you know, gaining independence, developing self-worth um, and a can-do attitude to life. Um, it's it, it can be a very, a very growing time for them. Also for those groups, um, a secondary benefit is for their parents and caregivers and um, just have a bit of respite um, while knowing that their loved ones are having an amazing time. But they can, you know, if they want to have a little holiday themselves or, just have you know just have some deserved downtime it's it's great in that regard too so if people would like to find out more about higher ground to engage with you to follow what you're doing how can they find you how can they reach you um okay so we do have a website it's higherground.org.za it is a bit of a work in progress it's um it, it has been developed a bit better than it was but it does still need more work but there is information there our Facebook page is a great place to is a great place to connect with us and just see what it is that we're doing, different events that are coming up. Um, that is, I don't actually know how to say what our <laughs> it's higher ground, but I guess we'd have to give the exact link for that. We'll put that um, in the show notes. So that's okay, cool. <laughs> wonderful. And then um, yeah, just to connect with us by phone, by WhatsApp, by email. Um, just get in touch with us so that we, if you, if you live in Durban and you're blind, we have a, it's a broadcast WhatsApp group. It's not one where you're going to get a million 
um, a million different messages from everybody. It's just where we post out information about upcoming events. So that's a great one if you live in Durban to hop onto. Um, but if you live somewhere else and you'd like to be kept in touch with, with what we have going on, drop us an email or give us a call or WhatsApp and um, we'll make sure to keep in touch with you and let you know when something's happening in your area. For our holidays for people who are blind, we obviously welcome anybody from anywhere in the country. So um, in December this year, we have our holiday happening down in Newarthook in Cape Town. But people are welcome to join us from any part of the country. As long as you can get to Cape Town, we'll get you at the airport. And um, you can join us for that. Likewise, when we have our in this past December, we had one here up in KZN. But of course, we had people from all over the country joining us. So, so yeah, get in touch with us um, through any of these means. And we'll keep in touch with you with what we're doing. You want to give us the email address? so people can reach out? Yes, our email address is higherground, so it's H-I-G-H-E-R-G-R-O-U-N-D-S-A for South Africa at gmail.com. Shall I give our number as well? If you'd like to. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. Uh, Yeah, it's 072-1414-408. And is that for the broadcast group or can people contact you on that number as well? People can contact us on that number too, yeah. That's great. So what are the future plans for Higher Ground? You've already mentioned the holiday in Cape Town, the the holiday camp. But what else in terms of your bigger vision? (laughs) I thought you were asking about our long-term plans. I was going to say, have you got all day? (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) <laughs> we have many dreams and visions, but yeah, our short-term plans. So in May, we'll be having our in-person get-together. Um, in the th- On the first Thursday in May, we'll be having our next online meetup. In December, we will be down in Norfolk in the Cape. Um, yeah, I can't encourage people strongly enough. If you're keen to join us, please do it. It's, it's the most incredible venue on the beach in Norfolk. We have an amazing time. We were down there last April. And... Um, Space is limited though, so um, do get in touch soon if you'd like a spot. And then um, we are hoping to also do a holiday up in the Gauteng for people who are blind, um, but I don't have a date on that one yet. Uh, we also, um, at the end of September, beginning of October, we have a holiday happening here in KZN for people with an acquired brain injury. Um, we've just had our holiday for people with an intellectual impairment, so we don't have our next date for that. But if anybody's listening and would like more information, just drop me an email and I will um, I will let you know when the next one is coming up. Um, yeah, so those are some of our upcoming plans. Um, always a work in progress, always things being added. But yeah, I would love to obviously see anybody at any of these events. That sounds great. And we will hopefully pique people's interest just by having this conversation out, putting it out into the world. But Wonderful. You know, I think it's a great idea for people to follow you through your social media, through the website, and just keep watching because it sounds like you have a lot planned and a lot of exciting visions for the future. We're excited. And it's also great just to get the word out more. I chatted to somebody the other day who has been working sort of about 10 minutes from where we are and for the last 18 years, and he said he never knew what we did. So it's just great to have the opportunity to tell people about what we do. So thank you. Well, thank you for sharing a little bit about Higher Ground. Emma, it's been really great to chat to you on a different way of seeing. We wish you success with the the various camps and events that you are planning. 
And it would be good to actually meet you in person when you're down in Cape Town in December. So maybe you and I need to chat about that as well, see what we can do. That sounds wonderful. And it's been so great to be on your podcast. Thank you for having me, Lois. Thank you for listening to A Different Way of Seeing. We would love to connect with you. So find Lois at loisstrachen.com or Facebook, Lois Strachan Speaker. This podcast was edited by Craig Strachan using Hindenburg Pro. Hindenburg, it's all about the story. The credits are done at Naledi Media. Naledi Media, all your vocal needs under one roof. Read by Charlie Yassi. That's it for now. Thank you for joining us and see you next time when we bring you into the world of seeing differently.